When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. This is Cork Today. Cork Today with J.P. McNamara on C103. And a very good morning to you on what is a blustery windy morning right across the Cork area. Bernie taking your comments to 1850-333-103. Lines now open. You can text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103. Or you can tweet us across the show at C103 Cork. Ahead this morning on the programme, pharmacies will operate evening vaccine clinics to help the rollout to children aged between the ages of 12 and 15. This is as the portal opens today for that age group with parents' consent, of course. Uh, we'll chat with a pharmacist on the rollout very shortly on the programme. We're also going to find out about a money mule. What is a money mule? How easy is it to be lured into becoming one? And the dangers involved. We'll chat with the Banking and Payments Federation of Ireland on this. And we're going to hear about a petition to get indoor sports back up and running, such as basketball. Many were forced to abandon their season last year and there is no mention of when they are going to return. So we're going to chat with a basketball coach who has contacted us on this issue. Also, our Garda file is ahead and pet advice with Jane after 12.30. If there's someone in your, uh, some pet in your house or wherever that you are having a problem with and you have a question, well, Jane will answer those after 12.30. You can get those into us across the morning on text or WhatsApp 0862103103 or call Bernie on 1850 Also, I'll be giving you your first number as we play bonus bingo. We've been doing this across the week on the show and it is your chance to win a fabulous hotel break thanks to C103 and the NCBI. I'll give you three numbers across the programme, the first one shortly and then at the last hour of the show you have to add those numbers up. Give me the combined total by text or WhatsApp and you then if you're picked today go into a draw for Friday where you could win a €400 hotel voucher and this can be used in any of the Clayton or Maldron hotels in Ireland and you can get full details on how to play C103 Bingo on our website C103 Simply click C103 Bingo. All of this is thanks to C103 Bingo and the NCBI and your first number coming very shortly. But towards the close of the programme yesterday, Jerry Harrington, who organised the protest in Bantry in relation to Bantry General Hospital, was in touch regarding, he's a a first responder in the area, regarding the unit, the acute medical service unit being reopening in Bantry yesterday. We were told it was to reopen yesterday morning. It did reopen. We were told it was to open at 9am and 
it was opened and then there was a lot of confusion as the morning and the afternoon went on because local doctors were told that the unit was going to be open from 9am to 6pm that's what they were told we were told it was opening from 9am but then it would have been normal hours after that uh, and because of the confusion no one knew what exactly was happening and there was fears then were the hours after being reduced and I was thinking maybe it's because they you know don't have the full consultants there maybe they're working on reduced capacity until uh, the actual everybody was back in place by September Anyhow, we uh, were in touch with the South by Southwest Hospital Group uh, who tell us that Bantry General's Hospital, the acute medical unit there, uh, it has opened and it is available for GP referrals and 999 presentations from yesterday. The service is delivered by the hospital's consultant general physician team and supported by the Cork University Hospital Consultants and they say there is no change to the operational hours of the unit. And the operational hours of the unit uh, we know are 8 a.m to 8pm. Now on this statement we got that's what they say there is no change to the operational hours of the unit. I've just replied to them asking uh, can you just confirm the hours are 8am to 8pm and I do believe they are that that the hours are 8am to 8pm and that's what hours they are operating on. Uh, So if anybody has any different let us know but for uh, as far as we know everything is back to normal regarding the unit in Bantry and they are operating on those hours of 8am to 8pm a lot of confusion yesterday and I could see why the confusion came about because in fairness people were told 9am and I think there's a feeling out there that any kind of change or anything that will be happening now regarding any hospital not only in Bantry but in Mallow or anywhere else in the country people are looking at it in, in more detail and they're afraid that minor cuts could lead to bigger cuts later down the line so I think you can see why something like that did cause a stir uh, yesterday afternoon. But as far as we are aware, uh, the operational hours, there is no change according to the South by Southwest Hospital Group who do look after Bantry General Hospital. And if we hear different, we will let you know. But as we know, it's all looking okay so far in Bantry. 1850-333-103, lines open. And you can text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103. I mentioned there about the vaccine rollout now open the portal for 12 to 15-year-olds. And it seems the plan going forward for vaccination is that we'll all, well, those who wish to anyhow, will get a jab in each arm. And that is the plan if the go-ahead is given for the administration of the flu and the COVID-19 booster vaccine vaccines together in the coming months. Now, the HSE confirmed that it is planning its flu vaccine programme. It's going to begin in October. And then the potential is it's going to run alongside a COVID-19 booster shot. Now, there's been no formal recommendations as yet about this or even a top-up booster vaccine, but it is looking increasingly likely because the National Immunisation Advisory Committee, uh, they have put together and they will make a decision and they already have told the HSE to be alert and that a plan uh, for a rollout for a booster jab could possibly be in place. And when they were asked about how this would operate, the HSE had have said that their flu vaccine and COVID-19 vaccines, that they could be given at the same time. So you could see a person offered the flu jab in one arm and the COVID-19 vaccine in the other. Now, the HSE has ordered two million doses of the flu vaccine for this winter and a quarter of which are for children. And last year, you remember, there was a, a shortage of the flu vaccine because of the demands for the flu vaccine. People who never got the vaccine before went along and received the vaccine. So that meant what they usually order there was a shortage of that and worldwide there was a demand uh, for the flu vaccine given what was going on I suppose last winter uh, regarding the pandemic and COVID-19 so 
Uh, with all of that, that is the future plan, that if you do receive the flu vaccine, uh, that you more than likely will be getting a booster shot for COVID-19 vaccine in the other arm. That's the plan so far. Anyhow, that is coming out. There's no official plan, but that is what they are looking at. And uh, while a lot of people are still looking to purchase and buy their own home, and there's a, a lot of couples, I know friends of mine who are at the moment bidding on houses and they're being outbid and the prices are going so, so high. And these are in various areas of Cork. You can talk about various county areas and various city suburbs. Uh, prices, you know, that, that would have been maybe 200,000 a year ago or going up now nearly 100,000 and the bidding process keeps going and going so many not able to keep going with the bidding and losing out on their dream home when they go off again to search and, and look for another home. And while they are doing that, then they're finding their rent is increasing because rents are going up as well. And if they are leaving their home because it's being sold, they have to go then rent another place while they are still uh, trying to keep up to date with everything they're paying out. And there has been a 20% fall in the number of available affordable rental properties across the country. That research is coming out. Uh, it came out um, in this report that also shows that not only are one single bedroom properties within the housing assistant payment limits for single people as identified where by from June June to this year, they were also hard to go and receive. And also then if you're on HAP, the amount you were paying for rent was so high, uh, nothing was adding up. Basically, it was impossible to meet the rental demands, even for the one beds. Uh, And for generally then for two beds or three beds, it just seems to be increasing. Uh, Some cities are seeing more than others. Some areas of Dublin actually rents have remained steady because in the areas like Dublin too, uh, there has been a huge demand as people work from home. That could change in the next year. Uh, but other cities such as Galway, Cork, Limerick and Waterford in particular are seeing a huge increase in rents and rental properties but there has been a fall in, in the number of available affordable rental properties across the country uh, and that's for those who are within the HAP scheme uh, while the rent remains high for those there's been a fall in, in the in the property available so that goes back to the demand and supply issue doesn't it? Uh, that always remains in place and then those like I mentioned who are bidding for a home and just simply no matter how much they bid uh, they are outbid and you'd wonder uh, while people are saving and have money how they can go so high in a bidding process for a house and on social media it seems that the average age of those who use Facebook across Ireland is getting older Uh, while Facebook might be the most used social media app here in this country uh, it means that Instagram is growing faster and will in a few months or a year even but it is said to become uh, the most popular social media app in Ireland and Instagram then unfortunately because the main reason people like using Instagram is that they find Facebook has become toxic a bit like Twitter whereby you could put up a photo of anything and someone will have a problem with that photo and it's all negative comments and this and that and uh, people are just getting a bit sick of it uh, so a lot of people have just moved to Instagram even though they're owned by Facebook uh, they've just kind of give, given up on Facebook at this stage and Instagram is kind of a happy place in the social media world whereby it's all photos and people are all liking the photos and there wasn't any major harmful commentary coming in but of course now as people get used to Instagram people maybe those who are on Facebook are moving over and they are bringing that kind of hatred uh, that was on Facebook into Instagram and now they are coming up with various mechanisms so people can block and people can remove and even Instagram themselves uh, are looking at ways that they can filter out these negative and horrible messages that now are seeking into Facebook by way of comments and photos was never a thing but it is unfortunately seeping in I mean Facebook when it started had not that either Facebook was a happy place but that changed uh, as time went on and Instagram is where people 
moved away from Facebook because of that I suppose, toxic environment that was being created on Facebook. Uh, and hopefully that won't seep in to Instagram, that it will be remain a, a happy place with photos. We'll have to wait and see. But that's on the social media side of things. And how many of you are watching Love Island at the moment? Well, it's receiving a record number of complaints. 25,000 complaints were submitted to the UK's Ofcom about an episode which aired last Friday. And this was a fallout from a movie night challenge. And it shows a contestant in that reality TV show, Faye. She had a big row with uh, the person who she was coupled up with in the show, Teddy and they basically go into the show to find love and they meet random people and then they couple up with them and, and they, they're with them for however long they want to be in the show but what happened was basically uh, half the villa the boys went to another villa the girls stayed in that villa you had other girls in the other villa other boys in the existing villa and they all met they all mingled and then a photograph appears of the boys having a holiday a lads holiday with other girls and on the video clip one of the lads Teddy who was Faye's, not even boyfriend, but the person that she was coupled up with, uh, he basically found another girl attractive. That came out. Faye was very upset. And because of her upset and her actions, people were complaining that, you know, it needs to be investigated because mental health issues have come up from this show before. And I think people were outraged that this was let happen again because it was stirring the pot. I mean, they showed the, the guy that she likes basically saying he liked another girl. And they have received numerous complaints over uh, that postcard and over what has happened with that as they call it the movie night challenge and people feel it's wrong that they're using those contestants in there if you were a viewer of Love Island let us know did you find that uncomfortable viewing uh, watching that girl Faye really uh, losing her anger at uh, not only Teddy her so-called boyfriend well they're not even boyfriend they're just coupled up but also at the others who live in the villa with her, uh, many found it uncomfortable viewing and many uh, feel that that needs to be looked at. But then I suppose the TV producers will say it did bring up the ratings. And what are we all doing? We're all talking about it. But it does bring uh, that whole mental health side of things to the fore on how situations like that are dealt with. And then if you are one for making a sandwich, there's a survey out. It's from Travel Lodge and it's a UK survey, but still... I think a lot of us here would be similar enough when it comes to this survey. What's your favourite sandwich filling? Well, uh, roast chicken makes the list, as does ham and cheese. Uh, Cheese and onion, cheese and pickle. And also, there's a lot of cheese there. Egg mayonnaise also makes uh, the list. It's one of the favourites when it comes to a sandwich filler. I don't see a crisp sandwich anywhere here. Uh, Maybe if the survey was done in Ireland, you might have crisps making the top 20. But let me know what your favourite sandwich filler is, because what is the favourite, and this is among builders, uh, but I'm sure a lot of people would like this, bacon. But it's a bacon butty. So you have your bread, you have your butter, and you have hot bacon now on in between the bread on the butter the butter's melting and that is the most favourite sandwich filler but what is yours see we're all thinking now about having a bacon butty aren't we at this hour of the morning but what is your favourite sandwich filler let us know text or whatsapp 0862103103 and those robot trees we spoke about on the show yesterday a lot of people have mixed views on these trees I was in the city centre yesterday I did see them and while they look very futuristic they look nothing like trees 
Uh, but they are very futuristic on uh, Patrick Street and indeed on the Grand Parade but I just saw the ones on Patrick Street they are fenced off at the moment there's a screen on them which is more or less going to be telling you what they actually do and of course we know they are to uh, there's moss in them and that they are to filter the air on uh, Patrick Street because the air pollution qualities are seemingly uh, high enough in parts of the city and this is to uh, create that biodiversity that everybody has been talking about they have planted trees in various areas in the city they have those gardens they've removed car parks where they've put more or less the biodiversity gardens there and it's all part of that but it's the cost of these robotic trees they cost €350,000 and people are just saying they could have spent the money somewhere else maybe because they are saying they have no money for this and that but yet these trees have appeared at a cost of €350,000 so I gave a look at those trees yesterday a picture if you haven't seen them I'm sure you have at this stage but if you haven't seen them you can check out the C103 Twitter feed to get a picture of those trees and I mean I have to agree with the caller yesterday who was or on social media that was uh, referring to that they will be and could be misused when more uh, pubs and clubs open up, could you see an issue at two o'clock, one o'clock in the morning when you have people trying to climb up these robotic trees? Will they become uh, a kind of a centre for antisocial behaviour? Your views are welcome. And plus, there's the cost. There's still a lot of people unhappy with what was spent and the amount of money spent on those trees. I have a lot of emails and comments to get to that we didn't get to yesterday on those and we'll touch to those as well. Uh, between now and 1, 1850 333 103, lines open. You can text or WhatsApp 086 2103 103. And as you know, across this week, we are playing a bonus bingo here at C103 as you know you can play C103 bingo every day for cash prizes and to celebrate we're giving you a chance to win a fabulous hotel stay with our bonus bingo giveaway thanks to the NCBI I'm going to call out a bonus number every hour between now and one when you have all three you combine the total and text us in towards the end of the show and you could be a winner you could be in the draw for Friday to win a 400 euro hotel voucher which can be used at any Clayton or Maldron hotel in Ireland. So what is the number? The number for this hour is number two. That's number two. Write it down. I'll give you your second number after news at 11. And if you want full details on how to play C103 Bingo, go to our website, c103.ie and simply click C103 Bingo. Record today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 86 103 Some pharmacies will operate evening clinics for vaccines to help with the rollout to children aged between 12 and 15. Registration on the HSE portal is now open for that age group with the first jabs to be given out as soon as this weekend. Cathy Marr is of the Irish Pharmacy Union and she's also a community pharmacist and joins me this morning. Good morning to you, Cathy. Good morning. How are you? And thanks for joining us. I suppose, first of all, parents' permission is required for children to get a vaccine. And are you hopeful then with the evening clinics, this will ease the burden of work pressures on those parents? Well, we can see that from the uptake from the over 16s that the young people are really, really keen to have vaccinations done. But we do know that for the age 12 to 15, that parental consent is required and any parents that have any worries, we've asked them to speak to the local pharmacist just to see what is the right decision for them. But you're right, anyone over the age of 16 is legally allowed to have their own consent, so no guidance or no guardian or consent was needed from a parent for those young people. But anyone under the age of 16 needs to have not only parental consent, but also parental supervision. So the parent or the guardian needs to come into the pharmacy with with the child. So absolutely, we're looking at weekends or evening clinics might facilitate parents more, but we're also in the school holidays. So that maybe some parents are able to 
come into the pharmacy during the day. So really to contact their local pharmacy to see what the hours of the vaccine clinic is going to be and to go from there. We'll have over 700 pharmacies throughout the country administering the Pfizer vaccine. So there's a really good geographical spread, um, which is really, really beneficial. And we'll see today when the portal opens for the HSE what the uptake in the HSE vaccination clinics are. But we don't need to register on the HSE portal to avail of the vaccine in your community pharmacy. You just make contact with the pharmacist and they'll pop you on the list and schedule an appointment thereafter. And the person, obviously, you, you need to fill out the form, I presume, to give the consent the parent does. And does that is that the parent that will have to go along with the child? Is the one that gives the consent or, or can each any of the parent go along? Um, well, the form is filled in during the appointment. So parents or guardians will have to fill it. And it's a fairly lengthy consent form to acknowledge that they've read and understand the information around the vaccine, um, including any, while it's very rare, any known side effects. It is important that they're fully informed in making this decision for their children. There is a really good effective um, decision aid on the HSE website as well if anyone is in any kind of confusion as to what, what choice to arrive at. It, you know, the benefits for vaccination for that age group are really good because it gives protection for those with underlying health conditions and also may help prevent the spread of COVID to others, particularly if any of those children or young people live with someone at a high risk of developing COVID or severe complications from COVID or they're in contact. And what we've heard from especially even that around 16, 17 age group, and I expect it to be the same for the younger teens, that they're afraid to give it to granny or granddad. They're afraid when winter comes that they won't be able to see granny or granddad. But it does offer a really good sense of, of reassurance that if those children are vaccinated, that it's okay. It's okay to, to, to see um, people with other health conditions. And do you think also when you mentioned there about loved ones and protecting them that it will make a difference to the school setting that this age group who are mainly going to school will make a difference for when they return in September at the end of this month? We hope so. Well, COVID and certainly the evidence around long COVID isn't as established in the 12 to 15 year old age group. What we are asking is that this gives protection for healthy young people from developing severe COVID, which whilst in that age group has been rare, it has been seen both in Ireland and in other countries. So it does offer a level of protection for healthy children and young people. It offers protection, as I said, for those children with health conditions. If they have an underlying health condition, they're at a high risk of developing severe COVID and therefore ultimately being more ill in the long run. And as I said, it can help prevent the spread to others. That even could be other children in their classroom. It could be teachers, anyone else that is at high risk. So it really is effective to be vaccinated. Community pharmacy has been really, really the centre of this since June. We've delivered almost 200,000 vaccines just since mid-June, which is phenomenal. Um, And what we've seen, particularly in the 16 to 17-year-old age group, um, and also from parents coming into us asking in advance of the 12 to 15-year-old age group, there's a sense of reassurance. They know their pharmacy. They know it's only on the street where I live. It's only around the corner. You know, we have 85% of the community living within five kilometres of the pharmacy and most young people know their local pharmacist. So there's an enhanced sense of reassurance to have their vaccine delivered in the pharmacy and that's fine. So pharmacists around the country are holding evening and weekend clinics to try and boost the uptake and facilitate parents that are working you know, children in the 12 to 15 age group. So what I'd say to anyone is contact their pharmacist, see what hours they're doing. We hold our clinics and to manage and effectively utilise the Pfizer vaccines that we have to make sure that no vaccine goes unwasted, goes wasted or unused. So contact their pharmacist and see when they're beginning the 12 to 15 age group 
and get their child same time if it's appropriate for them. And I think you're right regarding the pharmacy rollout because we saw that with people who didn't want to travel to a vaccine centre or were hesitant about going into one of those centres and when they go to the local pharmacy there is a sense of trust with somebody they're dealing with you know, every single week or every month or every year. And will you be getting involved again this year with the flu vaccine? I presume you will be. And the talk is that the booster vaccine, that is something I'm sure pharmacists would like to get involved with for the COVID booster vaccine along with the flu vaccine from October. I think you've hit the nail on the head there, absolutely. We are in a rural pharmacy in, in Meath and um, we were overwhelmed with this, the, the numbers that approached us when we began vaccinating. Initially with the Janssen vaccine single shot for over 50s, we honestly thought there were no over 50s left. But there was a phenomenal amount of people that actually had held off to get us in the local pharmacy because they'd had their flu vaccine with us for maybe a decade. They were comfortable. They knew it worked. They knew it was okay. They knew they'd be safe. So we will be, again, as a as a profession, we've, we've been 11 years vaccinating against flu and have been really, really effective. Pharmacists delivered 20% or 25% of all flu vaccines last winter. And that number would have been much, much higher had supply being guaranteed. We all know that the flu vaccine last year ran out within six weeks and uh, we were in dire straits as, as a country. But hopefully then that will be rectified for this winter. But definitely pharmacists will be involved if there'll be booster shots. We've shown how effective and how really front and centre and pivotal we are in vaccination role. If boosters in terms of COVID vaccines will be determined as winter comes on, pharmacists will be front and centre, will be ready, willing and able. And while there has been a huge uptake of vaccines in this country, you did mention there on concerns that parents and indeed teens uh, may have on this. And, and I have two, a number of calls and texts on this. I mean, it's from both teens and parents. And some parents are texting in saying uh, they're not against the vaccine and some have got it themselves. But they're worried about reports they're reading about the effects of the vaccine. And then we have teens as well who, uh, you know, wish to get it, but they're worried about those side effects you mentioned. I mean, what advice would you give to those concerned parents? And they, I know they can chat to you with in the pharmacy, but for those who were struggling to even go to the pharmacy, what advice would you give to those that are concerned? Um, but even pick up the phone and talk to the pharmacist. I know some of the worries are around cardiac issues, myocarditis. Um, there's lots of information out there. The HSA websites are really, really effective. They're really simple, easy to follow decision aid, which can go down the benefits for getting a vaccine and the risks posed. And I suppose anyone can only make that decision. And absolutely, I'm a parent of two teens and one younger child. Um, even as a healthcare professional, I did have to think, what is best for my child? And that's, that's what I'm coming at it from. And I'm trying to weigh the benefits against the risks that's exactly and parents are right to query and all we can do is give them the most effective and up-to-date evidence evidence-based information and they need to make the decision from there the decision aid is really good it is laid out in table form and they can see the benefits versus the risks and to be honest when you look at that the benefits do outweigh the risks but that's not to say everything is risk-free so it's just really to, to counteract that um, if they're in any way concerned, ask the advice of the pharmacist. No one is going to force their child into it. Um, another concern that we've had and queries that we've had, we've seen a lot of um, fainting in pharmacy and with the younger age groups because of vaccination, just I suppose from an anxiety and a worry point of view. And that has come through quite strongly over the summer. And we've spoken to parents who've come in. Actually, we've had lots of Irish mammies come in with 20, 30-year-old people and it's been fine. So to reassure parents that pharmacists are well-equipped. We've been delivering vaccines for over a decade, full stop, and we're well-equipped to deal with anything. We delivered vaccines, flu vaccine into the younger age group this year as well for the 20-21 to 21 season. It was a nasal spray, or nasal drop for the under-12s and over-12s received 
an injection. And that was fine. We managed that really well. And children managed it really, really well. We have to be really proud of our young people at how they've taken this. When you're saying the teens are texting into query, I commend them because they're right to question it and not just to go along. But actually, when they're fully informed, I do think they'll make the decision to receive the vaccine because they know this is the way we get out of this as a country. And just to watch where you are reading information about anything, really, because, you know, some websites mightn't be uh, clarified or approved websites. So just to take note of that. But as you said, I think the big thing is if you have a concern, talk to your pharmacist and talk to them face to face. And, and you can have that discussion uh, with someone that, that you Absolutely. know rather than, you know, reading an unknown website. And very finally, uh, take it off social media, all of that go to absolutely um, recognised clinically evidence-based websites. And very finally, someone wants to know if you've registered on the portal, can I go to the pharmacy for a vaccine? Yeah, you can. You just need to cancel yeah. your risk. You just need to cancel the appointment you may get for yeah. the actual vaccine centre, but you can still go to the to, to the pharmacy then. Yeah, absolutely. You can. You can register in the portal. And we've seen that. And we saw that really strongly um, for the month of July where people were trying to get a, whatever appointment came up first, they might register in the portal. They might have registered with the three or four different pharmacies. Um, the only thing we'd ask there is if you do get vaccinated somewhere else and you have your name down or your child's name down in a pharmacy, just cancel that because it does take significant staff hours to do the scheduling and the rescheduling. Um, so just to make sure that, you know, if you, if a vaccine has been received, either for yourself or for your child or young person, um, to make sure that you do cancel it wherever else you have your name signed. But there's no difficulty registering on the portal today that opens for 12 to 15 year olds. And perhaps contacting a pharmacy tomorrow and availing of the vaccine over the weekend, if an appointment comes from the HSE, you can just reply back no and that's fine that the appointment is cancelled. Okay, Cathy, well, thank you for that information. The best of luck to you there with your work within the uh, Pharmacy Union. Uh, that is Cathy Marr there of the Irish Pharmacy Union, also a community pharmacist, on now how the rollout is going ahead, both in the pharmacies and the vaccine centres. Uh, the portal open today for the age group between 12 and 15. Your views are welcome. 1850-333-103. Text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103. And money mules, what are they? How easy is it to be lured into becoming one? And the dangers involved. We'll find out about that next we're going to be chatting uh, with the Banking and Payments Federation of Ireland Court today on C103 Call Patricia with your comment 1850-333-103 Money Mules continue to target young Irish teens with more than 700 transactions totally more than 5 million euros being identified in the first half of last year Chief Executive of the Banking and Payments Federation of Ireland is Brian Hayes who joins me this morning Good morning to you Brian Morning, JP. How are you? I'm fine, and thanks for joining us on this. I suppose, first of all, just explain how this works and why they target young people. Well, I suppose criminals the world over have, you know, since the year dot, always used networks of people to to launder the proceeds of crime. Uh, There's no great surprise from that. I suppose the difference, what we've seen in recent years with the emergence of um, e-money payments and digital payments is that there's much less cash in the system. Uh, people are taking out ATMs less. They're they're you know transferring money in accounts. So instead of using people and networks, um, in a criminal organisation, they they want your account more than anything else. And that's what a money mule is. Effectively, a money mule hands over an existing account or or sets up a new account so that a criminal can use that account to pro- to launder the proceeds of their crime. What they tri- typically say to younger people is, listen. If, if you allow us to move 10,000 in your account, we give you 1,000 or 500 quid. It's easy money. No one will ever see it. You won't get caught. They're, they're, they're targeting younger people specifically because they are more financially financially viable or financially vulnerable, rather. 
and they try to lure people in on the basis of you know you know this is simple it's easy you make a quick book and i think younger people uh, jp aren't aware of the very very dangerous implications for them and their families as a consequence of being caught in this we know in research that we did here in the banking payments federation last year that at least half of the 18 to 25 year old age cohort aren't even aware of the term money mule and 36% of people that we surveyed at the time said, you know, in an adverse circumstance, if they're really hard to for cash, they might they might give it a go. So much of this is targeted via unsolicited social media messages, you know, seemingly harmless messages. Do this for us, and here's the payment. And, of course, in a circumstance in the last 18 months, when the big losers from the pandemic in terms of jobs and the potential to gain income, particularly in casual labor, were young people, it's not surprising that these gangs are preying on this group of people who have, you know, been strapped for cash in the last 18 months or so. Um, uh, because of the pandemic, jobs for kids under 25, 18-year-old student college people have been less than plentiful. And I think what we're trying to do now as an industry is to get the message across to that cohort of, of younger people. Many of them will go back to college in the next few months just to be aware of this and to be aware of the implications behind it. Yeah, and as you mentioned, while they are getting back to college, there's an expense in that, and a lot of that is to do with those who must move away from home and find accommodation. And something like this could be very appealing to someone if you are stuck for cash when you realise, you know, that I'm not going to get caught, so I'll just try this. But it is an offence. I mean, if they are caught or caught even, it is an offence to be a money mule, and that could jeopardise someone's future if you want to live in a different country or travel or even your employment in the future. Yeah, like, the, the offence is a very serious offence uh, in terms of the prosecution. Potentially, someone can serve up to 14 years in prison. Uh, to your point about trying to get a visa to a third country, like, say, a lot of our students go to Canada or America or Australia, uh, that you're likely to be excluded from America for potential to get a visa in the future. Uh, the potential of opening up a new bank account uh, is, is an issue in terms of anti-money laundering legislation that the banks and other payment service companies have to employ. And, of course, your access to a loan or, or credit facilities in the future could be affected. We work very closely with the Garda National Economic uh, Crime Unit uh, on these issues. And, of course, the whole uh, increase in, in scamming and fraud, be it invoice redirection, phishing attempts into people's bank accounts, uh, scamming, money mules, all of that has just exponentially grown in the last number of years as we have seen cash diminish within uh, the economy, as we've seen a, a great move towards digital payments, which is fantastic in terms of instant payments, but we all know the, the great difference it makes to um, transacting business uh, for businesses and for uh, P2P accounts as well, personal accounts. There, there comes a lot of risks with that uh, as fraudsters who are only one step ahead of us, who are constantly trying to defraud you or indeed your bank of, of um, your income. So we've, we've, we have a responsibility on behalf of the industry to get the message out that we need to have, you know, conversations over dinner tables, parents and younger people talking about this problem and just being aware of the, uh, the, 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 circ- the, the circumstances of money muling and being aware that this uh, problem is growing. If you look at the first six months of the year, I think as you said at the top of the show, We've seen over 700 cases across our members. It's in at least 5 million uh, euro of, of money-milling attempts in the last six months. And as we say, 
the great, great majority of those people have been between the ages of 18 and 24. So we have a responsibility to protect uh, our customers, to protect society. Banks spend a huge amount of money investing in technology in terms of anti-fraud devices across the banking system. And part of that expenditure is to work with us in Fraudsmart, uh, which is an industry-wide initiative by AIB, Bank of Ireland, Permanent TSB, Ulster Bank, KBC, Barclays Bank, and on Post, a combination of, of members of ours who are, are committed to get the message out there that money muni is a serious offence people need to be aware of it. And red flags must be raised for the banks also if they know there's a young person whereby there's a large amount of money going into either he or she's bank account or they open up a new bank account and a substantial amount of money all, all of a sudden appears. I mean, the banks surely must look at this and go, there, there's something not right here when they see this happening. Yeah, the, the banks employ a lot of AI technology um, to, to make sure that, as you say, those kind of red flags are highlighted early to their systems. And there's a lot of work uh, between the banks and the, the Garda National Economic Crime Unit, um, which, which are, you know, the, the, the Garda and the banks work hand in glove on these issues. So and while they work on those issues, what about those who are targeting the young people, those so-called people who are targeting the, the young to make them become money mules? Have we ever seen those being arrested or, or being prosecuted? I understand there's three cases currently before the courts, a very recent case I, I, I know got some public attention. And of course, that requires the Gardaí, you know, doing a lot of investigative work, um, obviously working with banks and others to make sure they can bring those cases. A lot of these, though, whilst there are domestic um, money mules and people who are physically trying to recruit people to this, a lot of this is on an international basis. Uh, I got a report recently of, you know, take place like St. Petersburg or Moscow or Dubai, you have a, an office set up there who's simply sending out messages, 087-123-4567, and then a combination thereafter, maybe sending out 100,000 text messages or social media messages. And all they need is one or two people to become a, a money mule. They, they work on the very small percentages of, of people who respond to this kind of stuff. But many of these um, setups have very high technology, are based outside the jurisdiction. That's why they work with Interpol and the EU authorities to, to try to find out exactly where these messages are coming from. And it's a random attempt. Same, uh, it's the same when someone's tried to smish your, do a smishing attempt on your phone. What, what they, they, they send you out a message which links in uh, to a site that looks like a Bank of Ireland or an AIB or a permanent TSB site. It looks the same, but it's not the same. And they're trying to lure you in and then you start putting in one bit of information. There's another guy in Moscow who's encouraging you, having a conversation with you as if he's someone, uh, you know, in Ballycotton or in Cork or wherever. So these are very, very sophisticated fraudsters who have replicated, you know, hundreds of banks across uh, the world. And all they need is one success story a day out of 100,000. And the 100,000 cases are, is a computer-generated number that comes out either online or on the phone, uh, which tries to lure you in. So, you know, the key message and the important message that the industry gives to people is banks will never contact you. You know, if you ever get an unsolicited message or a text from a bank saying to come on our site now, that'll never happen. No bank will ever ask you for your personal identification number or your uh, what we call strong customer authentication number. That will never happen either. So they're all attempts at fraud. 
And I said, the fraudster, as I said, the fraudster only needs one attempt to win. He's not bothered in the 100,000 messages he sends out, he just needs one. And that uh, leads to an awful lot of damage for you and your bank in trying to recover those losses. Yeah, and we heard on our Gardafall here on this show so many times during the year of people who do fall for that. And we keep warning people, you know, those texts which are still going around, the, the scam texts with the link for the bank. And we're well aware the link is not yeah. the link to the actual bank itself, but a false link. But sometimes people will click on it. And as you say, that they will go further and just to be careful of that. And also, if you think it'll becoming a money mule, as you mentioned, those offences are there. And think twice, because what simply could be a small act on your part could change your life. Yeah, and one recent case um, came of, you know, a red flag, I think, for younger people is, you know, you, you look for a job or someone approaches you, will you work? And they say, well, before you work, you need to set up accounts so we can transfer you money, your pay. No employer will ever do that. No employer will ever say to you, we can, you can only take a job if we can have your bank account. And that's coming up. We've seen countless examples of that among students right now in the last, sorry, in the last six months or so. Um, no, um, so, so that's a red flag for you as a young person. Yeah, unsolicited emails, social media messages uh, with links. Um, no one will, you know, never open an account to receive inbound money from anyone because you're not in control of that situation. And, you know, the, the banks have very strong obligations, as they should have, under anti-money laundering legislations. And as I said, invest a huge amount of money on an annualized basis to make sure that they can they can try to stay ahead of these fraudsters. So for younger people, you know, I think the red flags are around unsolicited emails and particularly around potential employers pretending that they will offer you a job if you open a bank account. I think the red flag for older people amongst parents then is, you know, if you see your kid with extra money or buying and spending patterns that, that can't be explained, there's something going on there and I think you've got to show an interest in this. And uh, we have a really good um, website, fraudsmart.ie, which gives a lot of practical help and assistance to younger people and their parents in trying to notice in terms of the uh, the money moving problem. Good advice, Brian, and thanks for joining us. Fraudsmart.ie for all the information we spoke about there. That is the Chief Executive of the Banking and Payments Federation of Ireland, Brian Hayes. Thanks very much, JP. Cheers. It's Cork today until one. Our lines are open 1850-333-103 or you can text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103. We spoke earlier to Cathy Marr from the Irish Pharmacy Union and uh, they were explaining what is happening now regarding the portal open for 12 to 15 year olds, how pharmacies are now administrating the vaccine and uh, within that if parents have concerns or teens have concerns to go along and chat with their local pharmacy, uh, you know, and, and chat with the concerns you have and weigh up the the different factors involved uh, rather than, as she was saying, looking at information that may be incorrect in various websites or on social media. If you know your pharmacist or you know your local pharmacy, we'll chat to them about it rather than, you know, speaking to an unknown person Uh, on that. John is saying his son, who was 17 years old, is waiting for the leaving cert results. Now, he has applied for a college place, but he refuses to get the COVID jab. Some of his friends have got it and some have not. He has not given any good reason why he does does not want it and John wants to know if other families are having the same problem. Uh, John I'd imagine you're not alone with that one. A lot of families are in the same situation as indeed our housemates across up and down the country and with that 
Again, as Cathy said, if your son is having you know fears or worried about side effects, uh, to talk to your local pharmacy or your GP or whoever he kind of trusts or, or will go to, uh, it doesn't mean they have to, he has to go in and, and get the job straight away, but he can chat to them on what he feels he is worried about regarding side effects. Also, another thing that people are, I think, forgetting about all of this is some people have a fear of needles and are not very uh, confident enough to come out and say that. They just want, don't want to be seen uh, to be saying that they have a fear of uh, a fear of needles. So, you know, that could be another issue that a lot of people are coming uh, up against and don't want to publicly say it. So that could be uh, something, I'm not saying your son has a fear of needles, but it could be an issue for, for him or maybe for other people, not too sure. Uh, but again, if people have concerns, the pharmacy unions have said that they welcome people to come in and ask them uh, and explain the concerns they have about any vaccine or their thoughts on the vaccine and they will chat to them about this if they have concerns of maybe side effects or whatnot. And, you know, as, as Cathy says, that there is, there's always a side effects. Anything you get in life, any vaccine you get, any operation, anybody who goes into a hospital and has had surgery, has had treatments, anything you get uh, will have a, a side effect. That's just part of it when you, unfortunately, like many people, uh, are in and out of hospital on a daily basis. And for those of, of, of us who are lucky enough, enough not to uh, have to go in and out of hospital on a yearly or daily basis, maybe people aren't aware of that. But there is a side effect to everything regarding medication. And uh, the pharmacists are there, as Cathy mentioned, to chat to people about those uh, various concerns they have uh, and they will sit down and go through it with you uh, and there's no pressure and you know it's, it's your own choice but at least you can chat to someone about it if you have a concern rather than bottling it up and also you know they, people have a fear of needles they have a fear of needles and I'm sure they'll discuss that as well uh, and they, they'll do as many people will say they uh, you know it's, 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 a, it's a jab but it isn't you know it isn't that painful but that's easy for everybody it has a, a different pain threshold everybody's different when it comes to those t- type of things and I'm sure they'll ease your worries there with that as well uh, so John hopefully ha- that helps you with that but uh, from what we're hearing other families are very much in the same situation as you were and Michael is in Castletown Bear on WhatsApp he says Hi John Paul I'm absolutely disgusted every radio programme I listen to every current affairs programme I listen to it's all about opening up bars restaurants hotels indoor drinking dining sports football stadiums and yet not a bloody mention of social dancing why is it because it is mostly for older people we again are condemned to the scrap heap. I see no difference in dancing than being in the thick of or beside a gang of hooligans jumping up on top of one another at a football match for an hour and a half. People in this country forget the fact that you were classed as an older person when you hit 50. Some of us think that they are still 21. Please let the social dancing back and release the elderly from the shackles of loneliness and depression and allow them out to meet their friends, even if is only for a chat. I would give them, uh, it would give them all a badly needed lift. I know of a lot of them who are very, very down at the moment over this and they keep saying everything is moving, only us. Uh, they are keeping us in the corner. Uh, so what is happening with social dancing, says Michael in Castletown Bear on WhatsApp to 0862 103 103. Uh, we did discuss that last week on the show. We touched on that when they were speaking about various uh, items reopening. And that social dancing would fall in line with also nightclubs and, uh, and any other various dancing venues across the country. And there is no major plan, only that they are looking at opening clubs in the autumn. Now, that hasn't been confirmed as yet, as everybody is waiting to see what happens over the next two or three months. Uh, in particular, I suppose, over the month of the, the rest of this month and September. Uh, but they are looking at opening clubs in 
the autumn period they are saying uh, they haven't given an official date or any official information on that and that would also include social dancing uh, so you would imagine in the autumn that there'll be some type of social dancing back and I, you know when you compare it to sports well, you're, I suppose people's views on this. What's your view? Should it be back? Should it not be back? All I know is I've been speaking to those who run social dancing and on something that was hitting them long before anything of a pandemic or COVID came was the issue of insurance. And I've been speaking to people in the Munster area who have uh, dance halls and run dance venues for social dancing. And I've been working behind the scenes on insurance and the insurance companies, there's very limited insurance companies you can get for to insure a venue that does host social dancing. And the overall parent company of those insurance companies, when it comes to the high costs, they really are saying, that's it, tough luck. It's the nature of the game. It's because people are suing and claiming. And there's a litigious society at the moment that is doing this and creating this high cost for insurance. And it doesn't look like the insurance cost will reduce at any time soon. So outside of COVID for a lot of those dancers, uh, as they await to get the clearance to open up, a lot of those running those, their big worry is insurance and they don't know if they can afford the insurance. So that was something we were speaking about long before COVID ever came. We have seen dance halls close. We have seen local nightclubs close in rural areas uh, over the last two, three or four years due to that insurance reason. So while people are looking to go back social dancing, the bigger issue here will be if the dance halls will reopen. And the big issue there is due to cost and why is cost going up and speaking to those who were running dance halls is because they've had claims because people have fallen uh, in the dance hall and they've claimed of the owner. Now, many won't know that they have claimed, but they have claimed and that's rising up the cost of insurance and the parent company of those insurers that do insure uh, those who run dance halls, they have said to me that, hey, look, at the, look at the evidence is there. We're paying out on claims so the insurance is going to go up and while there's been different discussions about insurance and the wrongdoings within the insurance sector on this and that is still being looked at and hopefully the prices will come down uh, there's still evidence of people claiming and that all goes back then to the solicitor side of things, the law uh, and the way the law is conducted and the way that, uh, you know, before it even goes to court, something can be settled without a court and all of that. So there's a bigger picture there. So uh, while we await the clearance on from a health side of things uh, regarding the social dancing and dance halls opening up in nightclubs, the big issue, bigger issue for those who run it is insurance. Uh, and I think you'll hear a lot more about that once that industry does start to reopen. But your views are welcome. Uh, do you agree with Michael on that? Do you think maybe social dancing should uh, come back sooner? Uh, while everybody is on about sports, which we'll discuss very shortly, uh, Michael feels that social dancing has been forgotten about when it comes to reopening the country, even though, uh, as we mentioned last week, they are looking at that for the autumn and they haven't given a specific date, but it's the autumn they're looking for those types of uh, venues such as nightclubs and, and dance halls to reopen. Flags. Here's Tom and Cormac. He is, we know, Cork in the All-Ireland final, but Tom says he has not seen many Cork flags around the place supporting the team for the All-Irelands. Well, Tom, let us know where you are. If you have seen flags, I must say I was. it was yesterday when I was around the city centre. There is plenty of flags being erected. Uh, there is also a plan in Bandon to put up more Cork flags in Mallow. There's a number of flags in various areas of Mallow uh, with the Cork flag flying proudly. And so I thought as we were only you know, just qualify or just in the All Ireland final since last Sunday, uh, and it's only uh, the first weekend. You'll see a lot more, I'm sure, next week. I thought that the county was doing pretty well, uh, given that many thought that Cork might not get to where we are, and we have. And everybody now is hopeful that we'll have a great match on uh, Sunday week. But do you agree with Tom in Rathcormac that there's not many flags? 
in his area anyhow is what Tom was saying I thought the county was doing pretty well in the city as well from what I have seen around the place let us know a text or WhatsApp 0862103103 and Dave is in Middleton we were discussing yesterday about the Onakura Centre which is due to close at the HSC uh, is has said the building is not up to scratch basically and we're due to close this it has caused a lot of anger as you would have heard on the show yesterday we spoke with Rose who's campaigning to keep uh, this centre open and she's been speaking to relatives and people who live in this uh, Ona Curra centre because the Ona Curra centre while it uh, has day patients it also has people who live there and it deals uh, with people who have mental health issues and we also spoke to Deputy Pat Buckley who's still awaiting more answers from the Department of Health on this decision while David though listening to that in Middleton contacted us to say he was using the Onakura Centre as a day patient in 2015 he felt they were very good and they helped David out a lot now he would give them if he was rating the centre he would give them 10 out of 10 and it's very sad that it is due to close in a town that has such a lot of mental health issues as Pat outlined yesterday there is a situation in the town of mental health people have gone and used this centre but where will all those people go for help now if it does close says David in Middleton to Bernie earlier on 1850-333-103 and I mentioned about sandwiches earlier and the issue of uh, sandwich fillers and on top was bacon and this was when you have your normal bread with butter and the bacon warm bacon now in between the bread and it melts the butter and that was the favourite in a survey uh, well on that Tess is saying Hi JP my nana in Newcastle West used to make us corned beef thinly sliced tomatoes, salt and sandwiches spreads and they were absolutely beautiful. And, of course, you'd have a bag of Tato on the side. I still eat them and I love them. It's a shame I can't get Tato here in Jersey, but they are wonderful memories all the same. Stay safe, says Tess. And a lot of people agree and they love the bacon. Cheese is up there as well. And uh, Mary says, I do enjoy a sausage sandwich with red sauce uh, some mornings. That is beautiful as well. And bacon, lettuce and tomato, another one people are texting in on. So what is your favourite sandwich filler? That service says the warm bacon in between the sandwich. Tess remembering her nana in Newcastle West with the beef, the corned beef, thinly sliced, and then the tomato, and plenty of salt over that in the sandwich, along with the bag of tasha on the side. What was your favourite sandwich spread when you were growing up? Well, let us know. You can text or WhatsApp 086 2103 On the way, we are going to be hearing uh, why there's a petition now to get indoor sports back up and running such as basketball as many were forced to abandon their season last year we'll speak to a basketball coach from Bantry on the show shortly and also our Garda file to come C103 Jobs and on today's job spot, Cork County Council invites applications for suitably qualified persons who wish to be considered for inclusion on a panel from which vacancies for mechanics may be filled. You can apply through their website, corkcoco.ie, and click Your Council to see the job vacancies. The closing date is 4pm on Monday the 16th of August. The Audi Cork are currently recruiting for third and fourth year qualified technicians. For more information, visit the job section at audicork.ie i.e. an experienced fast food assistance are required. Also a kitchen porter and a delivery driver for the Bandon area. Email your CV to info at daniels.ie. You'll find these jobs and more online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Court today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 086 2103 103. 
And while sports are returning, indoor sports still remains cancelled. One basketball coach feels this needs to be looked If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program. And he has set up a petition to highlight this issue. Pat Curran joins me from Bantry Basketball, Basketball Club. Good morning to you, Pat. Good morning to JP. Uh, just, a, just a quick correction there. It was actually Fergal O'Sullivan from Tralee who set up the... Um, the petition. Oh, he's helping the him petition. to push it. Yeah. Oh, okay. And is it that he is involved so in a, in a basketball club as well? Is it in, in he's Tralee? He's involved down in Tralee, uh, but, you know, from all ages to Super League. And is it so yourself and others and everybody really across the country? It just doesn't affect us here in Cork and Kerry. It's everywhere. Uh, indoor sports have been impacted by the restrictions. I mean, we, we do know of uh, 2019 and 2020 seasons that had to be abandoned because there was no official mention of the return to indoor sports. And I would presume that did affect your own gang there in Bantry as well. And when you see the likes of the GAA and soccer and rugby and I know they're mainly outside we see on TV. Is it frustrating your members? It's massively frustrating because, you know, we we actually feel like the government has, has just forgotten about it, to be honest, um, you know, when it should be a priority. You know, um, it's obviously safe for 15 kids to play basketball in a ventilated hall with a, with a ventilated coach. Even last night I had my um, Division 1 team, men's team, and they're all vaccinated and we had to play outside. Um 
Do you know, in two weeks' time, classrooms are going to be back. One-fifth the size of a P-Hall, 30 kids inside of them. It just doesn't make any sense, and it's very difficult for a child to understand the contradictions in the current restrictions, you know, when we're, we as adults, we can't even comprehend them. So we, we feel that we need to get back inside immediately, and we can do it in a very safe manner. And because, are you training you know, at all? At the, I mean, are you training outside? But uh, we are training outside, yeah. JP, but we're completely dependent on the weather. Like, um, like uh, this morning, no, I gave half an. I was supposed to have a two-hour session by under fifteens and under sixteens, and I gave a half an hour notice that that we couldn't do it because the the court was too wet. There was awful showers at the time, and you know there was a, obviously there was a weather warning that everyone knew about as well, but. Uh, you know, it, it's just very frustrating because, you know, the kids want to be training. Um, we haven't played a match in 18 months. It's a huge amount of time in a in a child's life, especially when, when basketball might be, you know, their number one sport. And you'd have to worry about their mental health, you know. Um, yeah, that's a good thing there you mentioned because we had we did mention we were going to discuss this yesterday on the show and Andy emailed in and he says everybody is trying to promote an exercise and all of this while then we had this situation with indoor sports closed uh, while at the moment some can do and train outside as we go into September and October that won't be possible due to the weather conditions but what really got to him was they had to cancel uh, like yourself there this morning an outdoor session and what he saw was all the teens going back sitting on on the sidelines and they were all on Snapchat and they were all on TikTok and he's asking is this what we want our teens sitting down looking at phones when we are all promoting about being healthy and you That's have the healthy guide look, going out but then we're not letting know, do that you know there's been a spiral of isolation that started 18 months ago now and you know it, it's continuing now just because someone in a government department just couldn't or didn't you know couldn't be asked getting on getting on with things and reopening indoor sport and it's really frustrating and if you you know, you have to look at the government departments and even as a school, as a PE teacher, you look at the, the amount of time given to PE in a secondary school. So to me, like policymakers are great at talking the talk when it comes to obesity and mental health. But when it comes to walking the walk, they're, they're more than often found wanting, like, and it's very frustrating. And, you know, I've had some people say to me, why don't you just train away outside in the rain? It's, it's impossible to train basketball in the rain because you've got a slippy surface and your fellas running at full pelt and, you know, they're ending up going flying across sports and getting badly injured. It's different if you're on a pitch, like, there's no problem. But when you're on hard ground, if you get a knock, you'll feel that knock uh, on a basketball pitch more than you will feel if you're on a a soccer pitch or or a J pitch. You still get hurt on on a J pitch or soccer pitch, but obviously it's it's mainly grass. And do you feel maybe for yourself involved in basketball that those type of sports were forgotten about when they were reopening the sporting sector, that mainly it was rugby, GEA and soccer they were looking at and maybe they forgot about minority sports? I really do. I think they just forgot about it and they kind of said, look, let them work away outside for a while. They'll be fine. And, you know, that's the frustrating part of it. And, um, there's, there's, you know, I work in a school here that, you know, went from one of the, you know, the, the schools in the country with the highest participation rate in, in extracurricular activities to zero participation. And that's very difficult on kids because school sport is not just good for, you know, kids physically, but it creates a fantastic, positive atmosphere in a school. And a kind of a sense of camaraderie between staff and students that's so important for the successful running of a school as well. And we can't have another year of this, so that's why I'm kind of sounding like a broken record at the moment, going on and on about this all the time, because, you know, we just need to get sport back. We need to get indoor sport back. Um, you know, basketball thrives in schools. And we've, we've other situations as well with our national teams. Um, we have a situation in Dublin now where the Irish national team, are, you know, they're competing in the men's uh, European championships for small, small nations. 
and they're fully vaccinated family members and not even allowed in to watch them. There's nobody inside in the National Arena watching those games. 2,000-seater stadium. And, you know, they had a huge win the other night against Andorra and there was a few Cork lads, um, Jordan Blunt, Adrian O'Sullivan and Kyle Hosford playing vital roles in that, for that team and nobody allowed in to watch them. So it's not just the kids. I mean, it's the big kids too. Yeah, the supporters aren't getting the same as they would if they were supporting other sports. No, and, and our, our like our underage national teams are suffering as well. Um, another coach, Cork coach Paul Keller with the Ireland under 18 men's, he went to the European Challenge Cup last week with his team and they normally would have a year's training done. Um, you know, they only had a few weeks and they, they, they lost a few games just by a handful of points and all the other teams in Europe were training all year. You, you know, like we're the only country... Sorry, there was two countries out of 46 European FIBA nations that had no league last year and Ireland was one and Azerbaijan was the other. Every other country had some kind of a league they were able to, to play. I have two Spanish players here at the moment now and they can't believe that we're not allowed inside to train because they've been training inside all year. And that Which will have a knock-on effect for Ireland so in the future when it comes to those European leagues. Which are a huge knock-on effect because our, our elite players and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not making a song and dance about the elite because I'm, I'm promoting more you know, all kids playing. Yeah. But our elite players haven't been able to train the same way the elite players around Europe have trained. So, I mean, for, for our teams to be even competing, it's fantastic. And they are competing. They're getting within a few points of, of the teams they're playing. Yeah, but and it's, it's really it's, it's, it is at every level, not just the elite level, to all the way down to under eight. You're texting parents with 15 minutes notice saying, sorry, we can't train tonight. You know, and people are walking away from the sport. And that's that's the biggest problem we have. Where you know it's we're losing a generation of basketball players in Ireland because people are not just putting enough pressure on. Because they they are in the situation whereby they're getting a text from you or whoever uh, the training is going to be cancelled tonight due to the weather and they they're just giving up. They're going, oh look, this is happening too much. We can't go indoors. They're moving to another sport. Yeah, and like you said earlier, about you know the mental health they're going home. Yeah, like yeah. I, I I have fifteen young fellas out in the court now training. But I had to text their parents this morning saying the our two-hour session is cancelled. So what are they doing? No, they're sitting at home looking into screens. Yeah, and the social and like aspect our of that. Our government then is making noise about obesity and and um, and mental health, but they're doing nothing to help it. Yeah, and as I mentioned, the, the social aspect, you know, they're, they're out with their friends, they're mingling, That's they're it. getting to know them. You know, you yeah. can't really do that looking at a screen properly. And with the vaccine rollout going younger and younger, and you mentioned there in the school setting, they'll be inside in a hall anyway uh, for seven or eight hours a day and more than likely able to train with the school eventually indoors. Why not do it for basketball? I presume a lot of your, your own teammates there in the club are, you know, the club is doing well and they're all aging to get back. But uh, what will happen, as you mentioned, with people looking for other sports, would that affect the club once you come out of this and once they do allow indoor sports? Can you see a knock-on effect for your own club? Of course you could, yeah. I mean, um, if you have a club that's cancelling training, you know, very, you know, two or three times a week, it's obviously going to have a knock-on effect. And you feel that because, you know, parents mightn't understand we cannot take a risk, health and safety risk, and train on a, on a really wet court. And they might just say, you know what, this crowd are a joke. You know, let's let's move on and go to something that's on something yeah. that's, that's on the whole time. So it's really frustrating. And like, again, try, trying to explain the contradictions to kids. You can go into a restaurant, you can go into a small bar with kids, but you can't go into a massive hall with, you know, that has four fire doors and a load of ceiling windows and and train for, for an hour and go out and have a break and come back in and do it again. It's just, I can't understand the contradictions myself and it's very hard to explain it then to kids. 
And is anybody locally, any of the politicians in your area, have you said it to them? What yeah, they I've, I've, I've written to Jack Chambers uh, in my capacity as a coach for, for Bantry Basketball Club and um, as, a co- as a teacher at Colossal Public Zone I've written, I've got nothing back from him. Christopher Sullivan, to be fair, has written to him as well, and he's been on to me. Holly Cairns has has uh, spoken to Gary Gannon, who's a Social Democrat um, portfolio for, for sport, and Holly's one of our former players as well, so she's really pushing this as well uh, in the doll. But just, you know, it seems to be the wrong time of year in the doll. Nobody seems to be able to answer anything. Well, we'll wait and see if they will answer something. I mean, we were speaking earlier from Michael in Castletown Bear who wants to see the return of social dancing and it looks like autumn's on the cards. They, they were saying anyhow for, for nightclubs. So if that is the case, you would imagine it's the same when it comes to indoor sports. Uh, for the moment, Pat, we'll wait and see what happens. We'll share that petition online as well and Thanks, we'll, we will see what a decision is made over the next few weeks returning uh, for indoor sports for the moment. Thanks for chatting to us this morning. Thanks very much, JP. Thank you. That's Pat Curran there from Bantry Basketball Club on what they and others are looking for, the return of indoor sports. They're mentioning basketball would include all indoor sports. Uh, and your views on that, I mean, maybe you have someone in your household who loves playing basketball or anything indoors. And again, like Pat said, are they sitting at home on their screens when they should be out and about mingling and not able to do that at the moment? Or do you think maybe the government are right with everything going on? They need to be careful and wait another month or so before they allow indoor sports. 1850 Lines open. You can text or WhatsApp 0862 Two one zero three one zero three. Our Garda file is next. Record today on C one zero three. Call Patricia with your comment. Eighteen fifty three 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 one zero three. And time for this week's Garda file. I'm joined by Sergeant Emer O'Connell from McCroom Garda Station. Good morning to you, Emer. Good morning, how are you? I'm fine, thanks. And last week on the Garda file, we heard about the theft of Catholic converters in the North Cork area and South Limerick areas. And it seems to be on the crease across the county because now it's moving into the West Cork area. Yes, we've had a few reports over the last few weeks about thefts of Catholic, Catholic converters. Uh, I suppose it's a lot of older cars that might be parked up. So we'd ask people to be vigilant and aware of anything suspicious in the area and to report it to Gardaí. And something that we still are hearing a lot about, and I'm sure you were as well, and we keep getting calls daily, this is online scams and phone scams. So the phone calls coming from a number, and the number looks like your own with digits change, and you get the pre-recorded messages. Some people are still falling for this, but you're warning people to be on the lookout for both online and phone scams. Yes, we have a lot of reports still of the online scams, and we ask again people to be vigilant and report anything suspicious. Don't give out any personal information. Um, some of the phone calls are pre-recorded mailbox. So just hang up, don't engage with them and just report it to your local guard station. Yeah, because unfortunately, as much of the advice we give out, Emer, people do seem to still engage and that's where they're getting caught and all they need is one or two to yes. actually go ahead and, 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 and they have made their money that way, unfortunately, isn't it? Yes, and they're using, as we said, a lot of numbers that look similar to your own mobile number, which is sort of convinc- are confusing for, uh, for people in the public. Um, so they might be answering this call thinking it might be something to do with the room compiler. Mm, yeah, totally. And you can see why you would get confused when you see that coming up on your phone. Uh, so beware for those uh, scam calls. And from scam calls to public licence inspections. Yes, I suppose the pubs and restaurants and everything is open now again. We would just ask publicans to run a responsible and compliant premises. Um, we will be checking premises going forward. So I suppose just to keep everyone healthy, healthy and happy um, if everyone just ran... Um, a safe and responsible premises, that would be fabulous. 
And is that just in connection with the COVID regulations you'll be checking, is it? COVID regulations and closing times. Yeah. So it's just, I just want to keep everyone safe and healthy, especially after the year we've had with a lot of premises closed. We just want to keep everything open. Okay, I'm moving on to break-ins in the area and uh, you, are you seeing a rise in break-ins in the area at the moment? She would start, first of all, in Lower Farren, um, where computer equipment was taken. Yes, there's definitely been an increase in burglaries over the last few weeks. I suppose with more people on the road, people going back to work, people going on holidays. So on the 8th of August 2021, between 1pm and 9pm, a house in Lower Farren was broken into. It was computer equipment taken, um, a laptop, Nintendo DS and tablets. And any information in relation to this, please contact Crookstown Garda Station on 021-733-6002. And on the 8th of August as well, between 5pm and 9pm, a house in the Bally Kerwick area of Dunamore was broken into. So if anyone saw anything suspicious in the area, please contact McCroom Garda Station on 026-20590. And then staying with crimes, something you're noticing is reports of, is it motor cars being ransacked in many areas of the county? Yes, down around Kinsale and Bandon, there have been a few motor cars been ransacked. All these cars have been left unlocked outside houses at night. So we would encourage people to check their vehicles at night, make sure that they're securely locked, that the windows are locked as well and that there's no valuables on show. Also, oh, the cars are just left unlocked and then they're just going, I presume, looking for valuables, not able to find them and everything is thrown around the car in the morning when they go out and check it. That's it. It's there has been reports of a laptop being taken from one car and then there's a change from other cars. So it all adds up. And no one wants anyone going around their own private um, cars. So we just ask people to be vigilant and to lock up their cars at night. Yeah, it does indeed all add up. And the West Cork Garda Youth Awards, a great initiative, and they're back again this year. Yes, the Garda Youth Awards are being run again this year. It's always a very successful event, which is fabulous nominations being submitted for the great work the young people are doing within the community. There's four categories to nominate. That's the Individual Award, the Group Award, Special Achievement Award, and the Community Safety Award. So if you know anyone in your community or area that deserves to be nominated, please contact your local guard station and a nomination form can be sent out to you. And moving from the West Cork Youth Awards to farm safety and security, and this is something that you want to highlight on the show this morning, and in relation to farm safety, also you want to talk about property marking, which is still going on, unfortunately. Yes, um, I suppose with farm safety and security, I'll start with that. Um, this is, farm safety is so important. Um, farming is one of the most dangerous occupations in Ireland, with over a third of all workplace accidents occurring in farming. The children and over 65 are most at risk of farming accidents and there are serious accidents taking place on farms every day of the year. I think 2,500 recorded last year, which is a massive, massive number. Um, children are most at risk as they are unaware of the risks on a farm, such as the heavy machinery, the slurry tanks and animals. A farm is not a playground, so children need to be supervised at all times, no matter how familiar they might seem with their surroundings. It might only take a minute for something to happen that could change your life forever. So just by having signs up around the farm to remind children of the dangers, having areas fenced off such as the slurry tanks and ponds, and ensure that animals are securely and safely locked away. This would encourage children, I suppose, not to go in maybe to rub the animal, which could be dangerous depending on the animal as well. 
And another issue I want to highlight here, and this is a good one, if anything was to happen, for example, on the farm and an ambulance has to come because mainly farms are in rural areas, is for people to be aware of their air code and have that in the phone because the ambulances will come faster to be able to go exactly to your front door with the air code. But like us all, it happens to us all, Emer, we, you know, someone asks us your air code and you have to stop and think and try and find where you wrote it down or where it is, usually in the house, in the kitchen. So it might be no harm to have it with you at all times if you, most of us carry around our phone anyhow all the time. But that's it. It's so important to have your air code. As I said, it's so much handier for ourselves, the fire brigades and ambulance service to get there faster, get it straight to your door. Uh, and I suppose when you're in a panic, it's hard to remember it. So if you have it in your phone, it's just very, um, it's, it's great to give it out when you're calling in any emergency services. Because so we want to keep everyone safe and healthy and working in their farms for as long as they can, to the best ability they can. And if you're just trying, if you're out working the farm, try to let someone know your plan for the day, whether it's working the fire off field or working machinery or livestock. So if something happens, we know where to find you. And then this property marking you mentioned there, just explain about that and just how people need to keep an eye and be careful of this. I suppose property marking, we would encourage people to get pictures of your most valuable items and keep a record of their serial numbers in a book or in a computer and a special folder section. Um, have an idea of the scale of the item. So if it's a, a quad bike, whether it's small or large, have someone maybe standing beside it, or for a smaller item, use your ruler. Stencil your ear code or your, or your initials onto the property with a welder or a grinder. Um, use a maybe per, uh, permanent marker for smaller equipment or a smoldering iron is effective on plastic areas. And you can give these details to your insurance company so they might keep them. So if you're a victim of a crime and a theft has occurred and you give in the details such as the serial number or have pictures, if these items are found, it could be months or years later, it's easy to identify, identify the owner of the property. So the more details, the better. Yeah, true. And again, it's like something I suppose we forget to do. But once you have more of, of that on your phone and you can show that to the guardie, then it is sooner or faster to get the equipment back to you once they find it, locate it, wherever they do. Uh, Emer, thank you for that. And we'll chat to you again soon. That was your first Garda file, was it? Oh, my second one. I just oh, your second one. Yes. Oh, well done. Well, you're flying through them. Well, well done, Emer. <laughs> and no, we'll chat to you, you soon. So Take okay, care now. Thank you. Bye bye. That is Sergeant Emer O'Connell there from McCroom Garda Station. Uh, and again, just to be aware, Catholic converters, as I see a text in here, uh, just keep an eye out on where you park your vehicle. Uh, we heard last week, and we got a big reaction to this of Catholic converters being stolen in the North Cork area, South and West Limerick areas. And now uh, that has moved uh, to the West Cork area. So, uh, as Emer said there, outline just be careful of where you park your car and just be aware of those who may be lurking around or unfamiliar cars driving in the areas you can see a lot of people texting in uh, regarding that and it is something to be mindful for usually it's older model cars but then no car is safe uh, as we have heard before on our Garda file 1850 our lines are open and you can text or whatsapp 086 and as you know we are playing C103 bingo every day for cash prizes here at C103 so to celebrate we're giving you a chance to win a fabulous hotel stay with our bonus bingo giveaway thanks to the NCBI now across the shows all week I'll be giving you three numbers and you then add up the number I give you the final number at the end of the show gives you a combined total and then that total you text us in uh, the combined total and you could go in the draw for Friday's show winning a 400 euro hotel voucher and that can be used in any Clayton or Maldron hotel across Ireland so your second number for our bonus bingo today the number is five that's number 
5. Write that down, keep it safe. I'll give you your third number after midday with thanks to the NCBI for full details on how to play C103 Bingo. Go to our website, c103.ie and simply click C103 Bingo. Jane of the Idenwood Veterinary Hospital in Newmarket to get your questions in for Jane. She'll join us after 12.30. Uh, But a lot of calls and comments in on the various issues we've been speaking about across the morning on the show. First of all, back to John, who has concern about his 17-year-old son who just isn't going to get the vaccine and he's wondering are other families in the same situation as John is? And, you know, it could be for a number of reasons. And we said if he has a concern, talk to his local pharmacy or GP and they will, as they said earlier when they joined us, they will discuss uh, the concerns with him and you know it could be a fear of needles as well that's something else that hasn't really been spoken about uh, during all of this he just you know a lot of people don't want to say especially at that age and if he's a a young teen male uh, he may not want to say that you know he has an issue with needles so that could be another issue there that some people are forgetting about but concerns could be spoken to the local pharmacist or the local GP Uh, and a lot of people John are in the same situation as you so you're not alone on that you'd be glad to know Uh, but the texter here says my daughter is going back to college on the she's going back to fourth year in college and she needs to get back to complete her final exams but this person feels everybody going to college should be vaccinated isn't that what they are doing in France and now everyone has to be vaccinated anyhow if they're going anywhere like a bar a cafe or a gym so why not college a field that person on text to 0862 103 103 but again John, for your son, it's his choice what he wants to do. Uh, but if you think there's a concern there, uh, would be to speak to a pharmacist that he knows that can you know iron out and talk to him and discuss those concerns so he can chat to someone about it. On indoor sports, and this is what we were discussing earlier with Pat Curran from Basketball Club in Bantry. Uh, they have not been able to train properly because when they're outside in the wet and the rain, if you slip in a basketball court, you will have a, a serious injury and they don't want to that from a health and safety point of view so they want the return of indoor sports and a petition has been set up now uh, for this to happen whereby indoor sports can return I think what Pat was saying in an email from Andy earlier on of those who are training outside and then they're told that they must you know cancel training or you get a a text 15 minutes beforehand saying due to the weather uh, training has been cancelled and what Andy saw was a number of young teens walking off uh, the basketball pitch going down to the sidelines and sitting down getting the full out and they're looking at Snapchat and TikTok whereby they could be playing if indoor sports was allowed. Well on that uh, a person that says they're a Tralee Warriors fan. Why can't vaccinated family members even watch international games in the National Basketball Arena while right across Europe and the European leagues and international competitors they're all running this so why is there no criteria for a safe return of indoor basketball in this country says that Tralee Warriors fan. Well, another person on WhatsApp says plenty of hotels are having weddings at the moment. So let the indoor sports return. I mean, what's the difference between the two? Uh, they can police the whole thing a lot stricter or else just open everything up. It's kind of up in a heap the way they have things at the moment, says that person on WhatsApp. And staying on WhatsApp, and this is to do with Michael in Castletown Bear, who was in contact with us earlier regarding social dancing. And he feels that a certain society of Ireland are forgotten about when it comes to the reopening. We mentioned indoor sports. He feels 
social dancing is also something that should be spoken about and on the guidelines social dancing ties in with nightclubs and they're due to reopen sometime in the autumn that depends on what's going to happen uh, within the next uh, month or so uh, but on that I, a lot of people agree with Michael on this and feel something needs to be done regarding social dancing I did mention the insurance side of that as well I'll get to that in a while first of all though a texter here says this is Anne I agree with the last person on this issue of dancing I'm one of these people who is missing social dancing and I think it should return at some stage sooner rather than later and on this issue a texter here who says remember most of us who will be going along to social dancing will be vaccinated people so I cannot get my head around this because the fact that a couple cannot have a dance because of social distancing and a husband and wife are partner and yet they will go home and sleep together every night the mind boggles says that person on text while Joe says our social dancing is our indoor sports and it should be treated like this says Joe while on the issue of uh, social dancing Anne says yes I totally agree with your texter from West Cork the older generation did everything they were asked for we stayed at home we were afraid to leave our homes or meet family and friends everything was taken from us all social events indoor bingo the outdoor bingo is great but I would not be able to sit in a car for that length of time our dancing is gone it's starting to feel so unfair a lot of older people are living alone and life has become so sad for them I feel if we can't have some confidence in the vaccine then what is the point the older generation of this country need to be remembered as a very true saying is you don't stop when you get old you get old because you stop says Anne on text 0862103103 that's a good point Anne there I think a lot of people would agree with you on that that you know age is only a number and if you stop doing certain things then you may stop going on and maybe feel old because you're not doing something you were always doing so yeah that's, that's a good point uh, and on text and staying with that Mike Fitzgerald on text who's well known in the music industry and well known for organising various dances uh, he says thanks for raising the insurance issues that is an issue uh, but at his venue for dancing he said he would not introduce it at the moment as he would be afraid of being closed down they have spent a lot of money in their location for dancing for the benefit of everyone and would love to see dancing return sooner rather than later uh, but not at the moment until of course clearance is given. Thank you for your text Mike on that. Tom is in Rathcormark and says social dancers are being ignored. They have nowhere to go. The dance halls now need to open. And Avril who says listening to those regarding social dancing I feel nightclubs also need to open for the younger generations. Great to have various bars open but there is no social interaction like there was in a bar. You can't go up and meet people either. Uh, so while we can go to bars and sit down, the uh, social interaction is only with those who come with you, not with others. We need clubs to open as soon as and let everybody back dancing, no matter what age they are, it says Avril on text to 0862103103. And I mentioned insurance earlier because while people want dance halls to open, uh, something we saw that was happening long before any pandemic started was dance halls closing due to insurance and this was local nightclubs I mean we did speak uh, I think it was the late 2019 uh, with those who used to run Oritas in McCroom and the main reason they were was due to the high cost of insurance and then others in the area were also looking at doing similar due to the high cost and then when it came to the issue uh, that we're discussing here on social dancing and uh, while that was an issue 
a few months ago as well on the programme, we were contacted by a number of people who run those dance hall venues where they hold social dancing and they would have the artists come and provide live entertainment and play at those different venues. And this was right across Munster now, not only Cork, but right across Munster, whereby I spoke to two or three of these people who run the uh, establishments and own them. And the biggest issue they were having was insurance. This was before any pandemic came. And they were thinking of closing and pulling out of the whole thing because they simply weren't making the money to pay for the insurance. And why was the reason for that? Now, I know there's been a lot of talk about the insurance industry and the wrongdoings within the industry and the wrongdoings with solicitors and our law uh, society and and the way they are going, encouraging and going ahead with claims that some would say uh, should not be even going to court, but they do reach court and then that leads to a payout. And that all is being looked at at the moment, but some say uh, not fast enough anyhow on that. A number of them that I spoke to, and we were looking into this on air for them, uh, they had claims. And what really killed these owners was that these were people who were coming every single week to the establishment and they would have a fall or something happened. And then they decided to claim off them. And I think that hurt them more. Uh, And then, of course, all you need is one or two claims their insurance went up and there's a knock-on effect because there's loadings then on the policy and they could stay for four or five years the insurance was high enough as it was without going any increasing any further and from what we were hearing from, from those people we did look into this and the comp- there's only certain companies that will do this type of insurance we went to the parent company of those insurance companies who basically came back to us and said and these are large now multinational insurance companies so they're not too worried about uh, people in Ireland who are running dance venues and they basically says the claims are coming in they're looking at claims not just for the person who holds the policy they're looking at claims for the whole of Europe and because there's a high people a high number of people claiming uh, their policies were going to increase and that was the end of the story it was either pay up or shut up and that's what's happening a lot of the dance hall owners now are even thinking would we reopen uh, because what's upsetting them is people who are, are coming along then there's that society we have whereby if something happens to somebody that they think they can sue and because that is, has crept in now to us here in Ireland uh, and that has happened to those people I spoke to who run those dance halls and because the insurance companies don't really care and, and the overall company is saying well, we don't care like the, you're paying out the policy we're paying the claim so tough luck if you can't afford it we won't cover you and then they can't go ahead and open the premises so I think there's a bigger issue here rather than just what the health guidelines are going to say in a few months time you might not have dance halls opening because simply people are going in they're falling and they're suing and the owners can't afford to pay the insurance as it's increasing and increasing. So that's the bigger picture there. And Dan is picking up on that. I know Mike did as well earlier, but Dan says, JP, we have sold our lives to insurance companies needing cover for everything. This is mainly due to a claims culture, even to the extent of a child falling in school or a playground. Why can't a sign be put up in any location that you are not covered by insurance on entry? This would stop the claim culture and suggest that a person or each person cover their own children or indeed themselves on their home insurance which could solve the issue, says Dan on text to 0862103103. Yeah, Dan, that's a really good issue um, you're raising there. And I, and I don't know the, the laws behind if you put a sign up, if you are covered, if someone does fall uh, on entry to the premises, does that sign cover you? Interesting, because if you park in a car park, you'll see a sign up saying if your car is broken into or a valuable is taken, like, this car park isn't responsible. Would it work with humans? Not too sure. I would think uh, people would still try everything and go to 
solicitors and trying to because again speaking to those dance hall owners who were quite upset that it was regulars going in who were doing this um, and to think that their insurance was then going higher and higher due to this uh, they're the ones now that are looking at why the hell would I keep on you know setting these gigs up if the insurance is so high I'm not making a return on what we are doing to pay the staff to pay the people to pay the artists that's coming there so yeah, a bigger issue than just uh, COVID for those dance halls. Uh, believe you me, uh, as we looked into it off here uh, over the last month or so, and it's something that we are trying to cover later uh, this year on the show, but it really depends uh, on how things go in the next month regarding the opening of dance halls full stop. But I'm sure you'll hear more about that. But it goes back to the big worry of insurance. We have a lot of more uh, calls and texts coming in on various issues. I'll get to those uh, shortly. But I want to go to Heidi. Uh, Heidi is looking at a staycation at the moment, and she's looking at an hour article that she saw in the Irish Times and this article says that the family paid €1,000 to go on holiday on a, in a certain county in Ireland and Heidi says that's a hell of a lot of money to pay for just two days. It's back to the same old business mentality. Claw back the costs of any cost after Covid and let's rip off as much as we can no matter how the person has to find the money. Thinking that if you are in business it's a good price to be affordable uh, says Heidi because the uh, high prices are on the way again well on that and I see the article you've sent us in Heidi on that uh, where, where the people went to I don't know what hotel uh, they stayed in for those two nights uh, but when we've done our own research on that yeah you, you will find places for two nights in Ireland you will pay up to a thousand euros but you'll also find places where you can only uh, pay up to 100 euros or 200 euros or 300 euros for two nights depending on where you go uh, a lot of these reviews when we looked, looked into them or a lot of these articles when we researched them I haven't looked at this one now, but uh, from previous experience, uh, there are usually four or five star hotels offering everything. And that's why the price is so dear. And when we did research here, you could find a good enough hotel and, uh, you know, or a nice B&B or even Airbnb or a self-catering. And you could get it cheaper uh, for two nights uh, rather than paying 1,000 euros for two nights. You could get a price for 100, 200 or 300 euros. So it goes back to, I suppose, shopping around like we discussed yesterday uh, on the energy prices with Bonkers.ie and Derek Cassidy who was saying shop around to think the same for your holidays if you want to find something that's expensive you will find it uh, but if you want to shop around uh, you will because I we did a staycation two weeks ago in Killarney and it wasn't that expensive at all uh, to be fair and again it was shopping around I could have paid if I wanted to 1,000 euros for two nights but I didn't uh, I paid 200 euros uh, which is still expensive but still for the value we got it, it was worth the value and you know you it's just basically, I mean, like I got a and b for cheaper. It was just there was a gang of us going and we went to a hotel, but B&Bs, some of them were going for 50 euro a night. So it does really, what you're what you looking for, first of all, as a family or as a, as a couple or whatever you're going as. But if you want to pay more, you will pay more. So they really have to look, I know there's a lot of articles out there, but when you research them, you know, they're looking at five star hotels, you are going to pay that. And it's still a high price. I mean, I'm not saying 200 euros for two nights is cheap. It's not. But uh, saying a thousand euros, I think we're just being a bit uh, disingenuous to so many hotels who were doing their best in this country. We just can't go in one article that grabs the headline. You know, you have to look behind the article too and see where exactly was that 1,000 euros spent. Uh, thank you for your WhatsApp on that. And trees, these are 
of the trees we spoke about on Patrick Street and this is the famous trees the robot trees we spoke about during the week a picture of them I'm sure you've seen the pictures in the papers and online but if you haven't there's one up on the C103 Twitter feed and on this a lot of people were asking yesterday how come the money they have of 350,000 euros for these trees can be found when they can find it to deal with other issues such as roads and graveyards and Texas here says I'm, I'm laughing that they have the money for these trees uh, where did they get this money because they can't fix a sinkhole in Curraheen but then they still can get the money for these trees and when we spoke about uh, a message sent to us on social media uh, regarding these trees that wait until the students are back and everybody's out again and you know the nightclubs are open in the autumn hopefully what will happen at 1am in the morning will they becoming something that people will decide to climb on or will they become victims of antisocial behaviour well on that Judith who's in Douglas says on those trees if they are going to become an issue for antisocial behaviour then they need to put an electric fence around these trees to protect them from people climbing on them so would you agree with Judith? Get an electric fence and put it around those robotic trees so they won't be damaged uh, before the uh, clubs open and people are out as they used to be uh, late into the night. On the clocks going back, a person here texting and asking any change or any update on the change of time for winter. I hope we won't have any change this year. Why can't they leave things until they as they are? Well, on that, I can tell you that you will have a change because uh, they were looking at this and scrapping daylight savings and it was very, very close to happening but when the pandemic started I'm afraid that plan was scrapped and there's no talk now of when this will be implemented it was a big discussion Uh, There was a survey, there was uh, questions asked in 2018. We spoke uh, with the MEP, uh, Sean Kelly, about this. He was one of those in favour of this happening. But once the pandemic started, this was uh, something that did get pushed back. And there's no time frame on when this is going to be back again for discussion. So unfortunately for that texter, not good news for you. It seems at the moment, uh, while it hasn't been cancelled and taken off the cars and they're never going to do it, uh, a decision you'll be waiting another year or so for the decision on when that will start on your air court we spoke there uh, with on our Garda file with Sergeant Emer O'Connell from McCroom Garda Station and remembering your air court that, so that you have it handy if you ever needed it for an emergency situation and if you're in a, a rural location on a farm uh, that at least if you have it in your head or in your phone when you ring an ambulance it's there in front of you as some people may find it hard to you know remember uh, the air code I know someone here says I use my air code the whole time in my mail and I have no problem remembering it it's great as Couriers look for it for directions and they can find me straight away. While Pat is in Lumberstown, he says with farm machinery, you can stamp your air cord onto the equipment. It is then very easily identified if it is stolen. That is a good point. Uh, Pat, thank you for that from Lumberstown. And finally, we did mention earlier on in the show about your favourite sandwich filler. The famous one is bacon. Hot bacon in between your sandwich and the butter melts. Isn't that beautiful? A bacon butty. That's topping the list. Well, Sheila says, Hi JP. When we were kids, we could not afford many sweets. My dad used to take condensed milk to work and make his tea. So if we wanted something sweet, our mom used to give us condensed milk sandwiches and they were delicious. I just fancy one now. I haven't had one in over 60 years, says Sheila. Uh, thank you for those memories, Sheila, on text or WhatsApp to 0862103103. And we are playing bonus bingo across this week. Your chance to win with thanks to the NCB 
BI. I gave you two numbers earlier in the show. Here is the final number. Add this number up with the other two and you could be winning your way to a fabulous hotel stay here in Ireland at one of the Clayton or Maldron hotels. And if you want full details of how to play C103 Bingo, go to our website c103.ie and simply click on C103 Bingo. Thanks to the NCBI, your final number is number nine. All right, number nine. Add that up with the other two texts in the combined total along with your name and where you are to 0862103103. And the Premier League Live returns this Saturday with Trevor Welch live on C103.ie and the C103 app. His special guest this week is none other than Dennis Irwin. And if you want to check it out, just log on to c103.ie or make sure you have the c103 app on your tablet or phone and the Premier League Live it's with now your sports and your terms stream only the games that matter to you most with now the c103 Cork Diary with the new Explore Cork app a Cork County Council initiative the perfect way to plan your staycation in Cork and Kildallery Drive-In Bingo, that's going to be held tomorrow at 8 o'clock in the Creamery Yard, while Tim League Drive-In Bingo, that goes ahead this Saturday at 4 o'clock in the Community Sports Field with gates opening at 3 o'clock and book are available on the day. The two historical events that are taking place in McCroom as part of the Heritage Week, that is happening at the former Church of Ireland on Castle Street in McCroom. It's going ahead this Sunday and indeed Sunday week and it runs from 2 to 4.30. You will have to pre-book though you can do that by calling 086-878-9891 and a coffee afternoon is going to be held uh, for Breakthrough Cancer Research it's going to be held in the garden of Kathleen Finn in Cork McShirley and that's going ahead this Sunday from 2 to 6pm and the house will be signposted from the village of Cork Mac and indeed from Barry Row and Focus Ireland have organised a hike and this hike will be going ahead in Coran Tool. it's planned for Sunday the 29th of August and if you want to take part and raise funds you can register now just email them events at focusireland.ie Record today on C103 Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment 086 103 and a lot of texts in just on the issue of insurance we spoke about regarding the dance halls and indeed nightclubs and I know we mentioned there regarding if a sign was put up Dan said what if someone put up a sign saying that if you anything happens here to you it's your own personal responsibility I'm not too sure of the legal or logistics behind that I know a lot of people on text and WhatsApp are suggesting the same but I don't know if that would work I feel people would still go ahead and try and sue regarding of that sign because why it seems to does work anyway with the um, car parks where they have a sign up you know saying your personal items are going to be if they are damaged your car is damaged you know we don't cover that uh, would the same working for a human I, I feel people will still try and get around that we'll have to check uh, to see what would be the logistics and indeed the legalities regarding if a sign was put up uh, for insurance but insurance one of the main reasons uh, that the dance halls uh, as we have seen uh, may not be reopening in the future nothing at all to do with what's happening regarding the pandemic from what we're hearing from those who run them and own them anyway that's their biggest issue and we've seen that happening with nightclubs before any pandemic started now speaking of music I want to give this a mention an email that came in to us yesterday we spoke with Keith Woodgate on what's happening with songs from the Blackwater this Sunday at Mallow Castle at Sold Out which is great news and he is saying that those in the Mallow area 
who would like to screen or anywhere I suppose who would like to screen the event it is going to be filmed and streamed live and if any bar restaurant or business would like to get involved and stream the concert if you can email blackwatermallow at gmail.com you will then be supporting the local music industry the concert sold out but if any of the local businesses would like to stream it if you want a restaurant or bar or whatever email blackwatermallow at gmail.com and songs from the Blackwater is taking place in Mallow Castle this coming Sunday. And an email in from Kate Crowley who says, I would really appreciate if you could mention this on the show because this is the last call out for songs, poems or plays written by the late Mick Flynn, the poet from Balnascarthy as the book of his written works is now nearly completed. Anyone who is wishing to pay tribute to him in the book, if you can contact Kate and her number is 86 Four five four zero zero eight one again. Kate oh eight six four five four zero zero eight one for the late Mick Flynn, the poet from Banlascarthy. That book now nearly completed. If you still wish to get involved, then contact Kate on that number. Uh, a lot of calls and texts in on various issues we've been discussing. Uh, someone feels on texts, no name on this one, they feel that the social dancing should stay closed, even though most people are vaccinated, they'll have to wait until it is safe to do so. Uh, while on the sporting side of things, Joan is saying, I do feel uh, for all those who are, do, who are playing indoor sports, first of all, but are frustrated by the lack of movement regarding indoor sports, I think now it is time to look at this and hopefully uh, sports like basketball and other sports won't be forgotten about. Uh, very unfair on those young people who really, uh, who are interested in the sports, but as Joan says, have nothing else to do now the last thing we want is for them to be stuck to their phones which the government are saying not to do but yet they're leaving them with no option and on about sweets Anne is in the Lee Valley she said she grew up in the country and they did not have sweets so if they wanted something sweet they went into the garden and got lettuce leaves and put sugar in it they wrapped them up and had sugar and lettuce sandwiches without bread we are and in the Lee Valley that's a new one so sugar and lettuce sandwiches uh, we were speaking about the sandwich fillers earlier that's uh, certainly a new one and thank you for that in the Lee Valley on to Bernie in 1850 and text or WhatsApp your pet questions we are being joined by Jane Pickett of the Island Wood Veterinary Hospital in Newmarket very shortly if you have a pet question get that into us now or you can text or WhatsApp 0862103103 and all this week we are playing C103 bingo with bonus bingo across the show it's with thanks to the NCBI I'm calling out three numbers every day on the show and you have to text in or WhatsApp in then the combined total of those numbers you could win yourself a 400 euro hotel voucher on Friday in the draw and that can be used in any Clayton or Maldron hotel in Ireland well who was going into that draw with the winning number we gave you number two we gave you number five. We gave you number nine. Add those all up. You get number 16. Well done. Sinead Toomey, Emma Croom, you're in that draw. You could be winning that prize with thanks to the NCBI and C103 Bingo. If you want to play, you can go to our website, c103.ie and simply click C103 Bingo where you'll get all the info about how you can play. And hi to Tim, who's in the West Cork area, wanted to know where he can get an avail of a birth search. Uh, we checked with the HSC and they say you go to the civil registration service. They're usually based in the local HSC offices and they say where you are Tim, uh, if you go to Skibbereen or if you're further west, go to the community hospital in 
Castletown Bear. So hopefully uh, that helps you, Tim, on text to 0862103103. Call Bernie 1850 now with your pet questions because Jane Pickett of the Islandwood Veterinary Hospital in Newmarket, part of the Mill Street Veterinary Group, joins us. Good afternoon to you, Jane. Good afternoon, John Paul. How are you today? I'm good, thanks. And on this beautiful sunny day, I can't complain. Yeah, it's, it's lovely. <laughs> it's better than last week when we were speaking to you. Anyhow, the sun has come I out. I know, yeah. <laughs> uh, and, and the wind is easing somewhat anyway, so hopefully we'll be in a good day. And speaking of, of good days, yeah. I have uh, a few people who have been on to us over the last week and they're returning to work. But a lot of these people, and we discussed this before regarding people getting pets while uh, we were in the middle of lockdown. Now uh, they're mm-hmm. wondering what to do with their pets while they're returning back to work. Some of them are making and getting family members to mind them or they're dropping them off to their parents <laughs> like a child uh, is what Elizabeth yeah. says but uh, what is the right thing because a lot of them are worried that changing them around will change routine and uh, leaving them at home on their own a lot of people are afraid might make them lonely uh, dogs I suppose like humans can get lonely they can indeed I think everybody is in a really difficult situation at the moment because we've all had a number of quite abrupt changes in lifestyle and routine over the last year and a half and as as most, kind of most people are returning back to work at this point, a lot of pets, particularly pets that would have come into the family um, since lockdown started, will know nothing else but their family being at home all day. Um, so it is quite a challenge. Um, I know that a lot of people will be concerned that they will be lonely at home. And that is certainly a concern because if they were used to having the family around and lots of activity and noise in the house 24-7, and now all of a sudden that's reduced down so that they're left for long periods of the day, a lot of them will be quite anxious, understandably, because I suppose we can't explain to them what's happening and that they are safe at home. I would normally recommend trying to do this gradually, so trying any change and routine gradually, but I totally understand that under the circumstances that's not possible in a lot of cases. So the best way of allaying any problems is to make sure that they're checked very frequently. And normally, even when there wasn't an abrupt change of routine like that, I would recommend that most dogs would not be left the full day at home. They really just need to be supervised and checked in once or twice by either yourself or a family member or popping home at lunch. One other solution, I suppose, would be having them supervised like by grandparents, very much like a child um, or doggy daycare is something that's available in some parts of the country now. um, And it can be quite helpful, particularly if your dog um, was not used to being left at all. What I would say is that there are a number of things you can do to try and allay that fear they have of you leaving the house. So a lot of anxiety and um, worry on the part of the dog about you leaving now that you're leaving them at home for a little while will start before you even leave the building so try in the morning to have a routine that's very calm don't make a massive fuss of them before you leave so i think a big temptation is to go and spend loads of time with them in the mornings and um you know make a big fuss give them a big cuddle before you leave and actually that kind of um increased access to you just before you leave the building can actually make their wind up and anxiety worse so the best thing to do is have a very calm morning take them for a nice long walk to blow off some steam Um, and then have your breakfast and before you leave the house give them a stuffed toy so stuffed kongs are normally what i recommend so they're quite robust toys that you can put little bits of their own food maybe a bit of cream cheese or safe kind of non-sweetener free 
um, peanut butter and give them to that as a distraction whilst you're leaving so that they associate you leaving the house with something exciting that happens every day rather than them being really worried. So that's something that you can work on as a little tip longer term and that will help kind of reduce the initial anxiety. But really, they just need to be slowly built up into having periods of time where they're a bit more independent. And obviously, because the changes happened abruptly, that's really hard. So I think the best we can all do in that situation is check on them as frequently as possible. Very good. Well, some good advice there for those who find themselves in that situation. And another question in here. This is from Mandy who says, Hi Jane, I noticed a black bump on my dog's stomach. Now it looks like that there's some redness or maybe blood around it. Uh, Mandy's wondering, could it be a tick? It could be, potentially. Um, if it's happened all of a sudden and appears and it wasn't there and you can recall it not being there a few days ago, it's quite possible that it could have been a tick. With ticks, they'll normally engorge. So as they drink the blood, it all sounds very gross, but as they drink the blood, they will get larger and then they'll drop off once they're finished drinking the blood. So it may be a, if, if, let's say, it gets larger over the next 24 hours and then disappears entirely it was most likely a tick and that's still a concern because it can be quite red around the area if the body has recognized that this little tick is attached and and kind of directed some some inflammation towards it when the immune system kicks in tick disease is actually a real worry because tick-borne disease is, is becoming increasingly common in this country and um, there's some serious infectious diseases that can be transmitted by ticks and in themselves it can actually cause um, a local local infection or irritation in the skin so it's best to make sure that your tick preventative is up to date it won't stop ticks attaching but it will call them to die and fall off before they can pass on infectious disease to your dog so it's a really important thing to be kept up to date with as we we live in rural ireland and it's you know a beautiful place for ticks to live um, but there is also a strong chance it may not be a tick um, and it could be a new little lump or bump on the skin what i would say is that if it has been there for more than 24 hours i would visit your vet for an assessment particularly as you say it's quite red around the area so that if it is a tick they can remove it but if it's not they'll be able to assess the lump and take a sample of the lump to send to the lab to see whether it's a, a benign let's say harmless lump or whether it's something that more action might need to be taken for, um, whether it be, let's say, a focus of inflammation or, as with worst case scenario, a cancerous bump. But, you know, information is power. It's always best to know about these things early so that you can, you know, take action if you need to and keep your pet uh, safe and happy and healthy for as long as possible. Okay, Mandy, well, hopefully that helps you there with that situation. And Jerry uh, wants to know, he's a Jack Russell. He says, hi, Jane, my Jack Russell is four years old, but he's acting up and it's like there's something stuck in his throat. Now, he's trying to cough it up, but there's nothing coming up. What could be wrong? And he's never done this before. Or there was never any issue uh, with his throat. Okay. So this kind of harsh hacking cough is, is I think, what the listener is describing. Um it can be a number of things. If it happens at particular times of the day, for example, where he's on a collar and lead out for his walks and then the coughing starts and it only happens when he's pulling quite, let's say, quite hard on the lead. Sometimes that can be irritation of the windpipe and that can elicit a cough if his airway is a bit sensitive. But if this is a really new thing for him and the cough is really persistent, it could be something stuck. But more commonly, it could be canine infectious cough. So what we always used to call kennel cough because it classically causes this harsh hacking cough in, in young to middle-aged dogs usually. 
um, and it, it generally is infectious so it's usually a bacteria called Bordetella that can be passed very easily from dog to dog or even from let's say environments that may have had dogs in them that would have had dogs later so lots of people will say to me oh my dog doesn't meet any other dogs it doesn't need the canine cough vaccination but really if your dog is going into any kind of public situation where a dog may have been in the last few hours they are still a risk because if let's say um, another dog passes by coughs all over a leaf and then your own dog freddy goes and sniffs said leaf and inhales a little particle of bacteria then they could get the kennel cough even though they haven't met another dog so it's really important to, to consider that as an option but now that the cough has started i think it does sound like it needs veterinary attention i would visit your vet for a full health check just you know try and think back before you go to the vet when did this start and is there any particular times or particular activities where the cough is a lot more prominent because that information really helps us as vets to know well how quickly has this started has it got better or worse since it started but also is there any particular times of day or activity that caused the cough to happen more and that helps us to narrow down the causes a little bit more. Sometimes your vet might need to go a little bit further and do an x-ray of the chest to assess further if there's any problems, but sometimes not. And your own vet after examining the dog will be the best person to judge that. So I would seek veterinary attention at this point. You mentioned there earlier when we were speaking about dogs and looking after your dog when you're away at work. One person has texted in to say, don't leave your dog barking outside all day. People sleep having oh no. worked at night. <laughs> and Anna has texted in about that. And she says, how can I make my dog stop barking? He's fed. Everything is fine. But once he's outside in the back garden, not every day, but sometimes he'll bark. But no reason for it. Yeah, sometimes the barking can be, I suppose, distress if they're left alone. They're kind of trying to, you know, I suppose it's a, it's a, it's a behavior that they elicit sometimes when they're left alone to try and attract attention. So I suppose dealing with any kind of feelings of fear or anxiety they have and maybe getting a dog behaviorist on board to try and tackle that can be a helpful thing to do if it's a little bit more challenging to get them to stop barking. But I suppose it's just them vocalizing, really. It's the same as us talking to a friend. Sometimes they might be barking at something they've seen in the hedge. It's kind of a natural behavior to a point as long as, let's say, it's not excessive. If there's excessive barking going on, then that really does sound like there's an underlying behavioral problem that might need to be dealt with. Okay, Jim, well, thank you for that. And thanks for all the advice there. We'll be back again to you next week, next Thursday at the same time. Thanks, Jane. Great. Thank you. Take care. Jane Pickett there of the Islandwood Veterinary Hospital in Newmarket, part of the Mill Street Veterinary Group. We'll chat to you tomorrow morning from 10am with Cork Today. My thanks to Bernie Murphy, who produced. I'm John Paul McNamara. Enjoy your Thursday afternoon. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.